0: Welcome to Stories from the Center of the Universe, the podcast about the human experience.
1: All right, we've got three people here today. I normally only only talk to one. I've talked to three before, so I can handle it, but there's a lot going on here today. We're going to be talking about the Mid-Atlantic Railroad Park. Today, we have Betsy Hodges representing the Ashton Museum. We have Carolyn Hemphill representing the Hanover County Black Heritage Society. Did I get that right? Correct. We got Tom Wolf here who, who uh, is representing Town of Ashland, you volunteered with the DAA quite a bit. And so I, th- I think we should start with, there are four groups that actually are supporting the mid atlantic Railroad Park effort that emanate from this part of the world. There's the Hanover County Black Heritage Society, there's the Ashland Museum, Downtown Ashland Association, and the Town of Ashland. Is that that accurate? That's accurate. Okay, so you guys are here representing three of those four, actually all four of those four, because we're all from the town of Ashland or live in the town of Ashland now, or have serious ties to the town of Ashland. So who's the best person to talk about how this whole project and effort got started?
0: I can. Uh, It it was started by one of our design committee members. Uh, the, The Downtown Ashland Association has a design committee, and Uh, Betsy's a member of that, Roseanne Shelf and some other luminaries from the center of the universe. And the design committee came up with this idea of of highlighting um, our railroad history as a way to bring tourists into town. Um, We've got a lot of great assets already, we just we don't tell people about them. So uh, we already have our red caboose, we already have the the beautiful mural on the side of uh, the Caboose Wine and Cheese Shop. Um, We've identified a couple other items that we'd like to highlight and provide some informational signage about uh, so that people know what they're looking at. The train station, we just celebrated our centennial uh, yesterday and uh, put up a a new historic marker there. And Carolyn and Betsy were part of that too. but it, that's that's another asset that we have that is really unique and we need to be be able to to identify it and tell people about it and tell people why it's important um so in, in all the, i think betsy correct me if i'm wrong but it's going to be nine exhibits nine kiosks
2: that is correct
0: okay uh and one celebrates the contributions of African-Americans, and Carolyn has led that effort uh, and worked with Betsy on on the information on that signage. So these nine exhibits are going to be a a walking park, and you can walk from one asset to the next and learn about Ashland's railroad history, because the the history of Ashland is the history of the RF&P
1: railroad. The Richmond, Fredericksburg, and Potomac, my grandfather worked for RF&P, and I have... uh, very young memories of him working for RFP and then eventually Amtrak. Yeah, and so did Betsy's great
0: grandfather. Nice. What did what did your great grandfather do, Betsy?
2: He was conductor on the accommodation train,
0: which ran back and forth between
2: Ashland and Richmond. Ashland mm-hmm. and
0: Richmond, all day every day, or at least not twice except, a day. <laughs>
2: twice a day, not okay. all day every day. Just, <laughs> just once in the morning and once in the afternoon.
0: But if you if you in the early days, if you bought a house or had property in the town of Ashland, you could get a, a pass for the accommodation
1: train, and that would give you lifetime rights to, to ride from Ashland to Richmond. And decades ago, that was a really big deal, because if you lived in the town of Ashland, there weren't a lot of places to go get things. I mean, you, you could get vegetables and, and meat for... You, food wasn't a problem, uh, typically, but if you wanted to buy a nice shirt, you had to go into the city.
3: City to buy.
1: Yeah. Uh, or any nice attire. Well, we did have the D.B. Cox Department Store. Oh, see, oh, now yeah. you know, I'm and, not that old, and Tom. The, <laughs> that, is, that is now the Iron Horse restaurant. Oh, wow, it was a substation, like a, a sub-sandwich place when I was uh, a kid back in the 70s. Oh, really?
0: I would heard it was a number of things, including like a nightclub where Randolph-Macon students could hang out back when the drinking age was 18. Yeah, that than, sounds right. 21. <laughs> it was
3: a the billiards. They had the, the uh, billiards upstairs some years back. And uh, before that, it was like a general store. You could go in, you could buy nails, you could buy clothing, you could buy shoes. And I don't know what that contraption is called, that you put your foot in to see what size shoe you wore. And it would take a picture of it, and you would tell the clerk, well, I'm a size 9, I'm a size 8, or what have you. But uh, they sold every thing there at uh, db cox and i'm telling my age too so, no, so,
1: so there was a gap because db cox wasn't a thing when i was coming up and we, uh-huh. we had to go to richmond to get clothes okay and to get shoes and maybe i'm misremembering i got a, a buddy here who's off mike might tell me different but i remember going into richmond a lot to get clothes uh but you mentioned before we started recording tom that it it's named a park or we're calling it a park for mm-hmm. a reason it's not just part of the yes
0: day. uh if you want a brown sign on the interstate you have to have a park uh, so the Mid-Atlantic Railroad Park uh, allows us to get four brown signs on the interstate that says Mid-Atlantic Railroad Park, exit 92B. Uh, and and the other advantage that we have is uh, if you have a park, uh, it's, it's harder to put a new rail line through it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's FRA, uh, Federal Railway Administration guidelines that says you can't tear down a park or go through a park uh, when you're building new rail. And of course, there's a big issue with uh, a third rail possibly coming through Ashland. So we're hoping that that, that's going to help us a bit with preventing that third rail from coming through, because it would destroy the downtown. I mean, you put a third rail in, you got to put up uh, fences and all of the safety stuff that you do with... All the standoff you'd have to do, yeah. yeah.
1: So Yeah, I mean, I think we're fine with two... Sets so of tracks going yeah. through town. It's been like that for a really long time. Uh, Ashland's the only town that I've ever uh, experienced or even seen that it seems like the houses and the retail are all oriented to the tracks. Other places, you'll find buildings near the tracks, but it doesn't seem intentional. But for, for it Ashland, is it's absolutely intentional. So, Betsy of the Ashland Museum, do you want to tell us more about that?
2: Because all the property belonged to the RF&P, and when they sold off lots the prime real estate was that that faced the tracks so the first those first big lots is what people wanted and isn't
0: that that where the railroad executives chose to build their homes
3: yes
1: and it was also kind of a, a resort town uh for a period too i believe
3: it was a resort town. Yeah. For Correct. People if somebody from, can hand me
2: my phone, I'm going <laughs> to walk up something. Some, <laughs> well, can I get up? And sure, get please. In. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, yeah. What is
0: now the campus of randolph Megan <laughs> used to be uh, a park of its own uh, standing like Disneyland. So you, you're you a Richmonder, you get on the train, you come up to the RFMP resort, and you go in to a car. saloon, and you could stay at the hotel, and you could uh, go to the racetrack. And uh, there was... There was ballroom dancing, um, a bowling alley was was up here. Wow. Well, that all shut down when uh, the shots rang out at Fort Sumter and the Civil War began. Uh, so they, they shut down the resort through the Civil War. Afterwards, uh, RFMP wasn't interested in maintaining a resort, so they'd been in negotiations with uh, Boynton College. No. Randolph-Macon College in Boyton, Virginia, which is way down near the North Carolina border off of 85. Uh, but it was, you know, the train was really the only transportation. So in order to get students to college, it was really helpful to be on a, uh, a rail. And so Boynton uh, moved Randolph-Macon to Ashland and... Uh, well, the
1: rest is history. I I can't believe I don't know that history. I've been here mm-hmm. for 54 years and I did not know that. Where Randolph-Macon was was basically oriented on people trying to vacation or visit a resort. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's wild. Yeah. All right, you got your phone? Yes. Betsy. So
2: um, the McMurdo House at 713 South Center Street, McMurdo was an P executive and that was built in 1858. So that's a pre-Civil War. R- RFMP executive home.
1: And there's probably a few of those, I imagine.
0: Well, didn't your grandfather live right on the tracks? Great grandfather.
2: Yeah, but he would not be considered an <laughs> RFMP executive. Well, <laughs> he was an important guy. Uh,
0: important to the family. Part of it, <laughs> I think, and this is, this is how Roseanne Schalf tells it, part of the reason RFP built all those beautiful homes facing the railroad track tracks because they, it was an advertisement. It's mm-hmm. like, Come to Ashland. Look at all these great Victorian homes. And if you've ridden the rail uh, on the Northeast Corridor, there's
1: no other place like Ashland. No, not none whatsoever that I've seen. Carolyn, how did the uh uh, Hanover County Black Heritage Society, and you also have a museum. So we have two yeah. museums being represented in this conversation. How did you get involved in the project?
3: Well, we got involved in the process because we weren't involved in the process. <laughs> 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 and that's basically it. Uh, there was not a resource for African-American history in Hanover County that we were aware of in 1994 when we originally started out. So we began collecting memorabilia and researching uh, uh the history of uh, African Americans here in, uh, in Hanover County. And over the years, we've been able to accumulate a lot of history that we're beginning to archive and scan and making sure that people can come in and use our facilities to do their research. With respect to the railroad, uh, my family, my uncles, all were railroad workers. One was a red cap and another uncle worked uh, in the luggage department. I'm not exactly sure what it was called, but uh, my memories go back to uh, when I was a child and uh, seeing the train come through and uh, my uncle, for example, who worked at Broad Street Station would end up having to hop that train when it slowed down to get to work into, uh, into Richmond. But the history of African-Americans was not included. And the thing that I like about being involved with the railroad park is that uh, we've been doing some research and we're able to pull some of the information together to uh, allow people to at least know that African-Americans were a part of our f and And uh, here in Ashland, some of the people worked as conductors and uh, had other jobs with, uh, with the railroad. We have an exhibit that will unfold tomorrow Okay. and uh, hopefully people will come by and get a chance to look at some of that. There was one uh, person in the Berkeley Town area, Thomas, uh, um, I can't think of the man's name, uh, Branch Thompson, I believe it was, who was a conductor on the railroad and interesting enough, back in the day uh, when I visited relatives in the north, parents didn't have to ride with kids coming back to Ashland because it was, the conductor was there and you say, hey, Carolyn's going back to Ashland. We keep an eye on her and blah, blah, blah. So we had, had that kind of interaction with the people who were working with the railroad back in the day. So That's,
1: that's great. I'm glad uh, your society and the museum are involved uh, in that way because they did make uh, quite the contribution and were a very active part of it.
3: Yeah, well, a man by the name of John Dorman Uh, who is a train enthusiast, uh, has donated lots of memorabilia and artifacts, and we have a lot of that uh, in the display that we will open tomorrow.
1: I'm not familiar with the term red cap.
3: Okay, red cap was just that. It was a person who worked at Broad Street Station, and they were luggage carriers, and they all had red caps. Okay. Instead of the conductor's caps, they were uh, red caps. And one of the things I remember uh, my uncle saying was that the passengers often called them, hey, George, hey, George. That was George Pullman. They found it to be disrespectful, really. Mm. Instead of knowing the person's name, they would refer to them as, as George as opposed to Joe or John. Or whatever their, their or mom, whatever their mom and dad may uh, named them, yeah. name was. But uh, anyway, uh, it it was a means of African-Americans having jobs that could bring them out of poverty, and so it was a helpful, helpful thing, even though some of the conductors weren't treated as nicely as they could have been treated. We talk about the Pullman porters, which we had to clarify that because we thought Mr. Branch Thompson was a Pullman porter, and we found out through your research that he was actually a porter who retired from RFMP some 30 years, I think it was, uh, after he Work, work there. So that's basically where we are at this point. Just continuing with the research and we pulled together uh, a listing of African Americans who have worked at one time for RF&P. It's not authenticated. We've gotten that information from people in the community and we're still trying to uh, enhance that listing of uh, people who work for our FMP. So if there's anyone who want to include their uncle or somebody who worked with uh, the railroad, give us a call.
1: No, oh, that's great. Very cool. Uh, when does the park open? Good question. <laughs>
0: uh, we've been working on this since, I think, 2014. when it came So it's it's been almost 10 years that this has been in the works. And, of course, it, when you're building kiosks, um, and you're taking up space on somebody else's mm-hmm. property. There's, you know, easements that have to be identified, and you know, agreements that need to be signed. And of course, the, the town was a, a little skeptical about this project initially. So we did a lot of research, we did a lot of surveys, uh, and got a lot of public input on what the park should look like, and all that takes time. And then COVID hits, and things kind of grind to a halt temporarily. We hope to have some exhibits up this fall, perhaps. Okay. Uh, the, the town would like to install the kiosks all at once because you will have people pouring cement and you'll have a grading done in the particular areas where the exhibits are. Um, and it's easier to get a contractor to come in and do several jobs rather than bring them back one at a time. Uh, so fingers crossed, we'd like to see something. Um, by the by, the end of the, the fall season. Okay, that's great. That's yep. there are so many great things happening here in the center of the unit. We I told you we just celebrated the hundredth anniversary of the train station yesterday. Now we've secured Secretariat the statue, which is unbelievable. Yeah, it's fantastic, and Secretariat belongs here because the owners, the um lived in Ashland about a block from your folkses place uh on the corner of racecourse and, and duncan oh huh yeah that brightly colored oh yeah yeah that's yeah. their yeah. house um so secretariat belongs here
1: um and we got the the railroad park coming and uh, that's going to be exciting too so who's the driving force behind this is it a set of people is it one person who's this is really a pra- passion project for or is it doesn't matter because we brought a lot of folks well, together and we're getting three of them are up.
0: sitting here at the table right on uh there's a there is a project team that also includes uh uh annette shans and she's from hanover county parks and rec um a gina no, yeah. see some
2: town parks on rack oh okay mm-hmm.
0: well thank you for correcting me um, <laughs> Yeah, and of course we've got our, our town representatives. Uh, Josh Ferrer has been very much involved for the past three years, and Maggie Longus, who's director of the Downtown Ashland Association. Um, so it's it's a team that huddles together every couple of months, and of course Betsy did most of the the graphic design Mm -hmm. for the kiosks and she has done every exhibit that's in the museum right now so you can go see her work as it is presented at the museum and you'll get an idea of the layout and graphic design for these uh, kiosks. How many folks do you expect will visit on an annual basis roughly you think? Here's, Here's one of the surveys that we did. We went up to the visitor center in Stafford the, the Welcome Center, Virginia Welcome Center. And we showed people uh, a photo or a Photoshop photo of a sign that said, Mid-Atlantic Railroad Park. And we said, are you traveling on business or pleasure? If they said business, we said, fine, thank you for your time. If they said pleasure, we'd say, well, if you saw a sign like this, would you get off um, and go see the railroad park? Uh, would, you, would you do it today? would you do it within the next year or no i'm not interested well about half the people who saw this you know a facsimile of a a brown sign said they were going to get off uh either that day to see the park or they're going to get off to see it within the next year they'll come back for it it was it was that intriguing for them so we think uh I, I forget how the numbers were crunched, but 120,000 cars go past exit 92 um, every, every day. And if we can just pull a, a fraction of those, say, say 10%. 10% said that they would get off the same day and go see that park. Um, and then the other 40% said sometime within the next year. That's a lot of people coming into downtown Ashland, buying gas, staying overnight, mm. um, uh, visiting the park, and then seeing some of the other assets that Ashland has. It, Randolph-Macon is like the most beautiful campus in the state of Virginia. It's uh, it's it's a really nice campus. It's, it's gorgeous, yeah. um, and then of course Ashland Museum, Hanover County Black Heritage Society. There's there's a lot to do and. Ashland, we we just don't tell people about it.
3: Train day is is another thing that brings in loads and loads. I mean, people come from all over the United States, and I think some even come outside the United States because we've had them come into the uh, Black Heritage Museum when you know on Train Day. Do you and, uh,
0: you know Ken Hale? I don't know Ken Hale. Okay, he's a. He's the guy that rides around on the bike. Oh yeah, Ken. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, okay.
3: Sorry. I didn't know his name. <laughs> uh,
0: he's got a fan club um, because of the cameras. Yeah, because mm-hmm. of the cameras, the virtual rail fan cameras, and so uh, people came over from England to
1: Train Day mm-hmm. last year just to see Ken. <laughs> We, yeah. we are a unique place here in the city of the universe, yeah. for, for sure. All right, when I was a kid, I remember the train ran from Ashland to Richmond and vice versa, and mm-hmm. then at some point it stopped. Yeah. Do y'all remember why it stopped? I think I was too young to ha- have an understanding. Uh, they basically finished the interstate. Ah. Um, so, actually, I, I was not alive when they first ran. <laughs> the I was told stories about it running.
0: Uh, Betsy will correct me if I'm wrong, but I think 1967 is when rail service to Ashland Stop. ceased mm-hmm. yep and then our your neighbor dick gillis um he negotiated with the rfmp and got them to uh, continue rail service and this, this was 1985 about the time the csx took over for or absorbed the rfmp like so many other rails
1: yeah okay so we we didn't have like 17 18 years or so
2: so the trains are not stopping, but trains are still coming through town.
1: Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I, I, yeah, okay. good, good point of clarity. I, uh, I definitely heard the trains coming <laughs> through as a child all the time. <laughs> yeah, they just didn't stop. Correct. And uh, the train station, I guess, was just kind of atrophying there next to the railroad. It tracks was a, for a storage
0: long. facility for the town okay. for
1: almost 20 years. But now it's awesome. It I mean, is. That stop is, a, is a, a stop to be proud of if you're from, from here or you live here.
0: Well, Duncan Lee, W. Duncan Lee, was the architect of that train station, and he was commissioned by RFP in 1922 to build a, a new facility, and he, he uh, the architect grew up in Ashland. He lived right at the corner of Henry Clay and North Railroad Avenue, no, the store was at the corner of Henry Clay and North no, Railroad Avenue. No, I
2: think they lived over the store, so you're correct.
0: Oh, okay, well, both. Uh and so we, we have our own Ashlander designing this train station, and he went on to design uh, the governor's mansion in in Richmond and a couple other impressive houses. So uh, he he was one of the famous people that that came out of Ashland, Virginia, uh, and then, well, again it was it was Dick Gillis who got the the rail service to continue. So they had rail service at that station from 1923 till 1967. It ceased for 18 years and then uh, started again in 85. And there are more people riding the train today than when that service started in 1985. Uh, it, in my opinion, it's the only way to travel, the Northeast Corridor. I agree. It's I only, totally agree. The only way to get to New York City.
1: Yeah, you you take a train to New York City, and then you can take a cab wherever you want to go in the city, or an Uber or whatever. Yeah, no, that's a great. Yeah, driving ninety five up to New York oh City is a, is a nightmare. It's actually three or four nightmares all rolled into one.
3: I don't set foot on ninety five.
1: You cross it though. You cross <laughs> it. <to that. laughs>
3: don't the 95 no indeed yeah i
1: there are a lot of brake lights whenever you you look on 95 when you're crossing over in mm-hmm. ashland uh betsy anything fun coming up for the ashland museum anything you want people to know about the ashland museum
2: we ha- we just had a history talk last night with dick beatles about the rfnp we have a history talk coming up october 11th it will be greg glasner who used to be the editor of the Herald Progress, and he and three other journalists did a rotating column in 2020 that um, in areas where the, their respective areas were either losing their local newspaper or had lost them. And so they're, they kind of talk about how they're communicating mm-hmm. and how people are getting news. but. The name of the they put the four journalist columns together into a book, and so okay. Greg is going to talk about that on um, Wednesday, October 11th. That'll be at Randolph Meakin in the SunTrust Theater, and then on Thursday, sorry, Tuesday, November 7th, Sharon Pica, who is uh, an Ashlander, she teaches at Gallaudet, and she's going to talk about her book. Women writers buried in Virginia, and she has a new book that has just come out within the last two three weeks about Edgar Allan Poe, and she's going to talk a little bit about that too. And then we've we always have trivia night the third Thursday of every month.
0: We have a couple of guided tours of Woodland yeah, Cemetery. Yes, so, yeah, you know, we do. Susan two.
2: Talker will be doing two. Um, Tours, sorry, I'm looking at the calendar. <laughs> no, you're fine, Susan sent me the dates
1: too, and I just turned yeah. my phone off. Well, have uh, you ever
0: taken the woodland?
2: I've
1: not. She invited me to
0: come. You later need to come. You yeah. definitely
2: need to you come. Can do
0: because a it's, couple of podcasts just on that cemetery. Um,
2: so we're doing um, one Thursday, September 28th at six, and then the, ne- the next one will be Thursday, October 5th at six p.m.
0: And then you want to talk about the walking Yeah, tour. so
2: we'll do, we typically do a um, holiday walking tour the Sunday after, the first Sunday in December. Um, this year it'll be December 3rd, and Ross and Corinne Luck are going to open up Telcourt for us.
1: What is Telcourt?
2: Telcourt is the Luck home that was in the way of 95.
1: They moved it from where 95 is now, yeah.
2: Right, and um, it was, went out of the Luck family for a stretch, and then it recently came out for sale and Corinne and Ross purchased it, so.
1: So I've had uh, Ross and Jack on on my podcast Um, separately. And Jack told us exactly where it is. When you're driving north on 95, and Carolyn, if you haven't been on 95, I to <laughs> may help you. But you take the you can take the first exit to Hanover, mm-hmm. where we are now, essentially, or the second exit, and inside that loop yeah. for the second exit is where that house was. Yeah. So it, it had had to be moved, and it's great that Ross and Corinne. Uh,
2: yeah, it's cool that it's back in the family. Yeah, that's really cool.
3: I can't let this pass. My great 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 grandmother. So Woodland Cemetery. Yes. Parcels of land, uh, Betsy Hogg Tinsley, uh, and the uh, Unknown Soldiers area in right. the back of the cemetery. Allegedly, there's some black folks buried in that uh, section of the cemetery also, and she also uh, deeded that property to Woodland Cemetery.
2: Yeah, and, Woodland uh, did a cool project and i'm not sure how many years ago where they did ground penetrating radar mm. over that first section where they knew the soldiers were buried mm. they knew it was not a mass grave but they didn't know much past that and when you are you familiar with what ground penetrating radar looks like? i am yeah okay so to me it's really cool when you look at the pictures and they you can see the, where the disturbed ground is and they marked uh, they marked where everybody would be, or where they believed everybody mm-hmm. would be based on the ground. And they have gone back in and put little granite. Susan may shoot me if I <laughs> if I get that. She says
1: she listens <laughs> to the podcast, so. oh, I'm sorry, Susan. <laughs>
2: they, I'll have they, Susan want to correct
1: you later. <laughs> <laughs> There'll be
2: a little mark there are little markers. It's really fat it's Really fascinating what they did. Now they can't, they have no idea who's who in there. They, uh, Jim Upton did a lot of research about uh, trying to figure out who the soldiers were that, and any others that are buried there. And I think he's come up with 242 or 246 wow. um, that he was able to document that are there.
1: Document who they are exactly or just the, the number of folks that... And... He's
2: able to document who they are and he's done a lot of research in terms of figuring out if it's Jack Smith, then he's gone back to family records and been able to verify that Jack Smith actually is at Woodlawn.
1: Yeah, and I guess to figure out exactly what's happening back there uh, <laughs> with soldiers uh, from that time frame... Would cost a ton of money you'd have to work through a lot of bureaucracy to to get something done so i I guess that's probably the best we're going to do to to figure out what's happening there but i i I don't know what else you can do besides go through a lot of red tape and spend a lot of money and spend years going after that
3: with Uh, the dna now and whatever you you know that might be helpful but like you said it it would probably be extremely expensive to do that. I know Black Heritage was involved with the Rutland project and I wasn't on an individual basis, but uh, Reba Dunkel and some of the other board Mm -hmm. members were involved with that. I don't have all of the details, but uh, we did work with that project.
1: Carolyn, what's coming up with Black Heritage Society over the next few months?
3: Well, aside from uh, the exhibit, tomorrow, which will be ongoing for quite some time. Uh, Francine Hunter uh, has uh, Music on the Greens coming up on the 23rd, uh, and she's working on the, her ongoing project with the libraries where we do uh, some kind of presentation at all of the libraries here in uh, in Hanover County throughout 2024, so that's upcoming, and of course, uh, the parade we participate in the parade with the uh uh richmond metropolitan antique club represents black heritage uh, on a yearly basis with that and uh train day. that's basically it okay but uh the 2024 uh is upcoming
1: i kind of got a personal tour of the museum Mm -hmm. um and i i figured out a couple of things with your av going on in there and you also (laughs) part of part of uh my visit there you showed me a picture of the football team from Gandhi High School uh, during segregation, mm-hmm. and the helmets were in a certain form. And I said, oh, that's a G there for, for yeah. Gandhi." You're like, I, <laughs> I, I never know. knew that. <laughs> I know. That
3: was something that I learned, a learning experience for me.
1: Well, if my last name wasn't Gilman, I probably wouldn't have figured it out either. <laughs>
0: okay. <laughs> One of the favorite projects that we work on every year is our untold stories. Mm-hmm. And so Carolyn and Betsy and I, mm-hmm. and few others sit down and we talk about how uh, how Ashland was in segregated days and so we we try to get panelists we got three three men three women three black three white uh, and they talk about what it was like growing up in Ashland uh, when it was segregated and what it was like to go through the desegregation process and the stories are just fascinating i don't know any other community that kind of tries to to get people to talk about those days because most people don't like to talk about it at all well we are we are all
1: historians of of various levels here obviously Mm -hmm. you you guys are doing the museum thing and tom i know you're quite involved in the history of ashland and, and telling that story silent rob is here taking notes like he usually does he's a history major i'm a history major history is meant to be remembered Imagine. so we learn from it and and
3: don't repeat our mistakes yeah
1: do learn from your mistakes and learn from your successes the things mm-hmm. that work well we should continue doing the things that don't work well and, and i sound like i'm on a soapbox right now but it's it this is really basic way of viewing the world let's learn from that history
3: yeah I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, the The thing that I often say is there isn't anything to show that there was ever a black person in Ashland other than the church and the cemetery. You know, so that's why we need to dig and, and find that history, you know, collect it, preserve it and, and exhibit it. And we have it, most of it, much of it at Hanover County Black Heritage. And, I'm very protective over it and and sometimes the board gets upset with me because they want to take things out, you know, and, and, and show it. Over the years we've lost things because we've allowed people to take an original something somewhere. Something came back laminated, you know, so we just have to be protective of it until we can get to the point that uh, we've cataloged it, scanned it. and, and we know we have a copy of it so so be it.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of digitizing that you can do and also you, you, yeah. you'd love to uh, maintain mm-hmm. the originals yeah. and, and not have things laminated laminated yeah. and whatever
3: I couldn't <laughs> believe somebody came back with an original thing uh, that I loaned out and it was laminated.
1: They thought they were doing something yeah. nice but uh, they were
3: preserving it I guess <laughs> uh,
1: uh, Tom what do you got going on coming up?
0: Well, it's about time we start thinking about untold stories. Uh, it's, mm-hmm. we, we hold that forum in February and our uh, venues keep getting larger and larger. Uh, we're now taking over the Patrick Henry Auditorium uh, because so many people are interested in, in hearing these stories. Uh, we had to, to do things virtually during COVID, but uh, we were back last year and uh, we'll be organizing something similar this year. Uh, Again, I do a lot of work with Betsy at the museum. Um, Certainly, guiding this Railroad Park project has taken some time and effort. Uh, There's a a new interactive video display that's coming to the museum, and I've got a lot of video of things that happen in and around the center of the universe that we're gonna showcase uh, using this interactive display. I am stepping away from friends of the library at this point, I, I have to, because my tenure is, is up, and so uh, that's been a, uh, a great group of people to work with and a great resource to have in the community. We, there's a, a lot of things that happen at the library um, that are community-oriented, uh, and that's that's where we do many of our history talks
1: at the museum. So
0: lots going on, all good stuff. Very cool. Yeah.
1: Uh, is the Railroad Park still looking for donations?
0: uh i don't know louis
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> here's, here's lou, what i can lou, say lou is also off camera <laughs> so, <laughs> or off audio i should say so our um
2: so the answer so, would be yes, yes based on a uh, a change that maggie sent back to me on the back side of all the panels where she is asking for donations so the answer is yes okay and
1: so how do people donate They
0: right, go to ashland Come and there's a there's button a button that says, that says donate now. Donate, yeah. Okay. Um, so the, the other piece of this is that there's a lot of, of folks that want to be included in the railroad park. And uh, Beaver Dam has a restored train station and caboose up there. Doswell w- was really the center of activity in uh, Hanover County for the railroad for a hundred years or more. Um, and so being able to expand the railroad park to include other assets in Hanover County, I, I think is a, a way to, to kind of share economically with the county, because the town and, and county, as you know, are separate governmental entities. And they, I think it's a good idea to, to partner with the county in order to bring more
1: tourism to... Hanover, in Ashland. Absolutely, and hopefully this recording in part will uh, will help in that endeavor. Betsy, Carolyn, Tom, thank you so much for joining us today. This is the last episode in season three of uh, the podcast with Downtown National Association, talking about uh, small businesses and other efforts related to that, or just things that are supporting the town going forward. So, thanks for joining.
3: Thank, thank you. you. Thanks.
0: enjoy this episode, please subscribe to wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd also really appreciate if you'd rate and review us. You can find us at scodopodcast.com.